Glennon, play the song. You got it, boss. We're back with another episode of 3040 Vision. It's me, the 30. And it's me, the 40? <laughs> okay, that's weird. And Matt's the vision. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Matt gets the freaking best title there out of yeah, all of us. Um, it's been a wild it's week and a half. Because he pumps iron. Oh my Matt God. pumps iron? I also wear glasses. I mean, I know he's pumping something, but... <laughs> I don't think my comment would be family friendly. I don't, I don't think that comment. I don't think this podcast is family. Wait, I that mean, makes me sound bad. You're. We're not. We're we're like fourteen A at least. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm a comfortable fourteen A. Yeah, <laughs> that could be misconstrued. Um, I mean, we talk a lot about nut butter. Do we talk a lot? I feel like we talked about it one time. And <laughs> I then keep bringing it up. You keep though. bringing it up. The recurring joke um, of the podcast. Yeah, it basically is at this point. Um, the past week and a half has been a wild ride. It has. <laughs> Having finally gotten used to living alone from away from our parents. Mm. Though really not alone because I'm living with two couples. But um, <laughs> We don't talk about story. that here. That's, yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> we'll pretend no one's been caught making out on the couch. Um, it wasn't me. That's what they always say. <laughs> yeah, Clendon's making out with himself. Nope. That's what we call self-love, ladies and gentlemen. Um, um, uh, during this, this last like, week and a half, I started collecting some quotes. We need booze. That was Matt. Followed by his girlfriend responding, Did he just say we need boobs? <laughs> In my defense, actually, there is no defense. Nope. Um, we should have saved this for the end. In my defense, I have none. Oh, God. A beautiful defense, to be sure. I could say I plead the fifth, but I know exactly what Glendon's referencing, and it's quite good, actually. Why would you not know what I was referencing? Anyway, um, that's our weekly quotes from six one seven. Stay tuned for for even more. more. Believe me, they'll get better and better. Um, and butter remains to be seen <laughs> we just need to get someone who's really out there at the house that's everybody true, true. we're all inappropriate that's... so last week we've been embarking mm. on some sails and i was gonna try to rhyme it but then all i could think of was whales and <laughs> sails and whales <laughs> sails and whales the rowdy um, tales the rowdy tales of sails and whales, whales. Um, and that's why Matt's on the podcast, kind of, because... Also because we like him. Also because we like Matt. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. They haven't kicked me out of the house yet, so things uh, have been looking up. He's only here half the time anyway. <laughs> um, Matthew, is this true? Uh, Matt ditches us for, like, days on end, and we're just like, I wonder if he's coming back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, it's only a matter of time before they file a missing persons report, and I come home Yeah, saying, I'm gonna be concerned. <laughs> I've already had to deal with that. That's another story I could tell. Wait, the what? The missing I mean, persons report? Yeah, one of my friend's brother 
ended up going missing from high school friends. Oh, really? And he was found dead. I know, that got morbid. <laughs> that was, yeah, it was last week, and it's a bit of a sad story. I mean, I can't divulge details because uh, this is a public forum. But I went to the memorial on Friday, so it was a, it was a sad time. Um, tough for my friend, obviously, who lost his younger brother at like nineteen. Mm. Um, but yeah, so please don't make us file a missing persons report. <laughs> I will. I will make sure to keep you in the loop at all times. That would be helpful. Um, anyway, I got to reconnect with some of my high school friends though, which was kind of nice. And I'm gonna invite them over to have some fun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. At some point. Good fun, Glenn. I'm not going to comment Good, on that. Good wholesome fun. <laughs> anyway, after that, we were looking for to buy a Switch online. Good God. And <laughs> Matt and I agreed to, well, it was a bit of a sketchy situation. So what we really wanted to do, again, we're three single guys at home with a large flat screen TV. What better thing to have in our living room where everyone is able to come, enjoy themselves, and have a good time? Than porn. Well. What? What is happening today? I don't know. That would be a Noah question. Nevertheless, we decided that it would be best for us to have our own home switch. And so, we were on the hunt. Looking on Facebook Marketplace to see if we could find any decent deals for three recent graduates relatively speaking. And we found, we did find a decent deal. $300 on Facebook Marketplace for a Switch. Canadian. Indeed. The um, battery, a game. I don't even remember what game they were offering. It's I Mario think it was Mario Kart. Kart. And they had a Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong game in, um, also available. But yeah. all that is besides the point. We found a smoking hot deal. And we wanted to jump on it as soon as possible. And so we did. <laughs> We messaged him, like, what, the day of? We it was start- a day. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a day. Good lord, it was a day. Um, he responds back and says, oh, let me see if I can pull up the texts. I can uh, I can walk us through the disaster that is. I want to know what time we started messaging him at, because I feel like it was late. Yes. Um, oh, good lord. It's already a disaster. Mm-hmm. Looking back, it gives me anxiety. <laughs> anxiety. <laughs> it gave me anxiety watching that situation unfold. So I'm so nervous. Actually, this was two days ago. Sunday at 8.51 p.m. I expressed my interest. Um, no one I had agreed that this was a steal of a deal. So this was, hold on, this was 9 o'clock at night. Yes. Sunday. Oh, my gosh. Um, and we said, hey, we're interested in the offer. He says yes. And so the conversation continues. Um, no, originally, I had thought, hey. Maybe he wants to, you know, meet us at our house and, like, we'll we'll uh, exchange the switch then. Mistake number one. Um, I'd given him the address, but... Mistake number two. Well, I always thought that those were two mistakes piled into one, but... True, we could say it's just all one. Um, further from that, he decided, you know what? No, we're going to meet at Juliet's Castle. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the nightlife of Calgary, admittedly there's very little, but for what there is... Uh, Juliet's Castle happens to probably be one of those things. Um, it's like it's a, sports a greasy bar. karaoke bar on 16th. <laughs> nice. Right? Across from Bubble Mania. Oh, Bubble own... Mania is so good! I know, that's it where is. we went with Darren, right? Yeah. 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 It's one I of the only Bubble redeeming Mania. features of uh, Juliet's Castle. <laughs> it's in the vicinity of Bubble <laughs> Mania. <laughs> of course. So, um, 
I decide, hey, okay, sounds like a deal. Um, let's meet there. At 11 o'clock at night. We just wanted to get the Switch. It was a great deal. We didn't want this opportunity to pass us by. Fair. So I, Matt's like, Noah, you can drive. And I'm like, okay. So I drive Matt over. It's late. We pull up out front of this. It's a bit, it's not like a sketchy bar, but I mean, like it probably would have been chill if we were with a bunch of friends, but just by ourselves sitting out front with people arguing out front of the bar and smoking and smoking, and, you know, being rowdy as you being, do, you know, typical Calgary drunkards. We're not talking like the fun English drunkards. We're talking the Calgary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drunkards. The kind of sad ones that you're like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if they all need therapy. We pity them. <laughs> we do indeed. I may be one of them. I mean, what? Wait, <laughs> that's um, a, that's a conversation for another time. Um, all that being said, Noah's so we wait, I don't know. It was probably like five, 10 minutes before he actually showed up not actually too long but still a little concerning yeah so he's fashionably late yeah as one ought to be when selling something at such a steal of a deal (laughs) that's what that's what i love with my my sales is i like to be super late um and not like not be there on time that's how we show accountability yeah exactly and he shows up in his ford f-150 now i should note at this point matt has had wandered away from my vehicle and i didn't quite know where he was i was trying to find the vehicle because it was not there but i thought it was and so he drives back or he drives into the parking lot rather and i'm walking back as he shows up and i know noah's inside the car so he can't see like my wide saucers being like oh no this is it this is how i die Poor Noah's in the car, probably like, what the heck is happening? Yeah, I'm in the car like, okay, so I can't see Matt, and I know he just pulled up. So if Matt gets abducted, I am actually can't, I can't witness it right now. I know. So I, I left my vehicle. Mm-hmm, indeed. And as he was doing so, I had walked towards the F-150. Um, towards the driver's side window, rolled it down, revealing a... Hmm, White man. With... <laughs> Nothing is more terrifying. <laughs> It's um, true. not to typecast any particular person. He was an individual with tattoos wearing, uh, you know, a worn out hoodie, um, had certainly seen a lot, had done a lot in his day. I'm he sure. seemed pretty rough, a, a rough around the edges to be yeah. sure, but overall not the worst person around. It was a reasonable, like what I witnessed seemed to yeah, be no, a reasonable conversation. Yeah. You know, like he was cordial, at least enough to say, yeah. Hey, I want to buy this off or I want to sell this to you. And, well, me being the naive optimist I am, decided this was a great idea. (laughs) Let's... So Matt, I see Matt test out the Switch. Yes. And things seem to be going okay. And then the guy's like, okay, you want to e-transfer me the money now? Simple and easy. E-transfer is such an easy system to use, Mm -hmm. supposedly. So, (laughs) um, I go and I whip out my phone and I say, okay, $300 for the Switch um and he had said you know he's looking for the dock hiding inside a storage unit somewhere and he sketchy was... aspect number two and he had said you know just an extra 30 dollars for the dock not a big deal um said so you know sure uh, retail price is comparable so i wouldn't say that's a loss by any means we would need it anyways for mm-hmm. the <laughs> for the party at our house um <clears throat> so i e-transfer him 300 dollars to his account and oh, no. I get an email verifying that an e-transfer was sent. Were you still talking to him at this point in person? Yes. And I was, you know, trying to get to know him. He was a simple man who had been working in construction for some time and wanted to move out to the Kootenays. Uh, he was tired of living in Calgary with no work and 
nothing really to care for around there, and he just wanted to head home with his girlfriend. And that's why I needed the money. Seems quite wholesome when you put it like that. I know. It really could have been. <laughs> it really could have been. But then... Disaster strikes. Um, after we had completed the supposed transaction, I, you know, shake the man's hand, bid him a good day, and Noah and I completes what seemed to be a successful transaction. Question. At that point, did he say the... What did he say about the transfer? He said that his bank account was closed. Well, mm, that's a slightly inaccurate. He said his online account he couldn't gain access to for some reason. And he was attempting to call his bank, again, at what probably was 11 at night. It was night. past 11, I think, at that point. Oh, days. It was late. It was very, very late. Keep in mind, I've been messing the, messaging this guy um, while I'm, I'm, I'm watching The Truman Show. <laughs> I'm like halfway through the show when I get the text saying, hey, I want to sell you the Switch. And so I've left the movie to go buy this Switch. And I'm, I'm expecting, okay, nice and easy transaction. I'm going to go home. I'm going to finish this movie. And I'm going to have a great time. And Matt, I've got I've to point out, Matt ends up being very concerned about finishing this movie. I am dedicated to finishing this it's movie. Like it's like he will watch this movie at all Jim costs. Jim Carrey. A classic Jim Carrey. But I had started a project and... Gosh darn, I was going to finish it. So we drive home. I'm talking to Matt on the way back. And I'm like, Matt, why don't you seem happier than you are? You just got your Switch. I know. And I was like, well... Um, I'm, just, I'm trying to like calm down or something. Like yeah, that. it was very much like just trying to like relax. I was very yeah. on edge after that interaction. And part of me was like, okay, you know, I got the Switch. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. We still have to get the dock from him. So we, he was going to come to the house anyways... The next day to sell this to, to give us the other stuff so that we can pay him another thirty dollars god bless <laughs> so we get home and it's probably like 11 20 to 11 30 ish at this point i'm back on the truman show i'm ready to finish this movie <laughs> and then he calls me actually well no he sent a message he first. sent a message first he was he was kind enough to at least message me instead of just you know cold calling me like a telemarketer um so i respond to his text which says, let me see if I can pick it up. Uh, okay. Yes, yes. I need you to come back there and meet me. You <laughs> hasn't gone through. The text is very difficult, but I presume it's meant to say e-transfer. Uh, and then he says, call me at my cell. Yeah. I'm on my way back, period. And that's where I'm like, uh-oh. I've seen this one before. I'm just trying to finish my movie, first of all. Second of all, I get a very cryptic message saying, come back, it didn't work. In my heart, I said, brother, this is an e-transfer. I have sent e-transfers multiple times in my life. What do you mean it's not working? Anyways, all this to say that his email accounts, for some reason, weren't connected to his bank. And the e-transfers could not go through. And I should say, there was a lot that happened during that conversation because the guy was getting kind of agitated, to mm. put it mildly aggressive. Mildly, <laughs> mildly aggressive. Um, and at one point, he—I remember—I don't know if he said on the phone or if you'd read out the text, but he was like, "I'm coming over there." Oh, I and, think he had called and said, "Yeah," because he'd said, "Call me at my cell." So I was like, yeah. "Well, I'm happy to oblige." And he'd have been asking, like, what's the evidence of your e-transfer? How do I know I'm not getting scammed? Yada, yada, yada. Fair questions, to be honest. Understandable as a seller. And I had mentioned to him, 
my 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 bank account is short three hundred dollars. I have screenshots and emails proving that I have sent this to you. I am not ripping you off. <laughs> Are you ripping me off? Exactly. And and keep in mind, this is a person that I felt that if you rubbed him the wrong way, there were two ways it would end. You'd either get shanked or you'd get shot. All of them ended up with me being in the back of his F-150. <laughs> Dead or alive, no one knows, really. Yeah. But, um, so anyway, Matt's having this conversation. I'm kind of witnessing it. Mm-hmm. I'm getting just a little bit anxious about the scenario because it seems to be escalating a little bit. Matt's trying to justify the e-transfer. The guy's getting more and more kind of like, oh, I don't believe you. These, that's what it sounded like to me. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Matt reads out, you don't want to be playing games with me. And, and I'm like, okay, now things are getting a little bit beyond my comfort zone. So at this point, we had considered a couple of options. You know, we give back the Switch, no harm, no foul. Yeah. Uh, we try to, like, figure out some cash situation. ATM thing, yeah. Or three, you know, we get on the phone with the police to yeah. make sure that we don't get shanked <laughs> again. Just to ensure that it's a clean transaction. And before we had done that, we were like, oh, I wonder if our other roommate could be of any aid. But yes. he was busy upstairs and didn't respond to any of our texts. <laughs> so we're left on our own. Um, and, and we're kind of stressing out Matt's girlfriend a bit. Yes, and at this point, we're like, okay, we're just going to go back and give back the Switch. No harm, no foul. Um, I'll just cancel the e-transfers, we'll give him back the thing, and hopefully yeah. we can resolve this another time. So we all pile into my car again, I drive back out, we're on the drive over, and Matt's girlfriend is like, geez, I can feel your stress from back here. And like, let me tell you, I am like, oh god, I am going to die. As well as... <laughs> Why is this e-transfer not working? Like, I'm frustrated. I'm terrified. I'm just done with this. And I, fe- I felt like at that point, I'm like, Matt, just please give the Switch back. It's not <laughs> worth any more trouble. Like, I know you want it because it's a good deal, but no. No, 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 no. <laughs> just get her get her done. No, it was a man with words of wisdom. That I would have just been like, give it back after like the first, like, uh, things aren't working. I'm like, okay, we'll give it back. Done. Bye. Mm-hmm. Understand. But I avoid conflict. So we get back to Juliet's castle. Yep. Um, you know, still your rowdy Canadian, uh, Calgarian drunks. And I think he pulled in at the same time we did. It was Roughly, pretty, yeah, you know, like within a couple of minutes. Yeah. And I get back and we are in the parking stall and he drives in shortly thereafter. Part of me, like I'm giving back the switch and all the stuff and I'm like, I might die. <laughs> Matt's very nervous at this point. I double check to make sure I have all the equipment, make sure I'm not missing a single thing so he can't justify shooting me point blank. <laughs> and right after Matt exits the vehicle, I turn to his girlfriend and I'm like, well, there's a ton of witnesses outside, so I don't think that much could happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I'm walking up to the truck and I'm like, hey. Three men jump out. and then it's a jackie chan style fight scene no thankfully that didn't happen and no we didn't whip out a knife wait so did did or did not three men jump out oh i know i wish that would i I don't wish that would have happened well the three men were the three of us coming out of our car (laughs) yeah well actually i didn't leave the vehicle this time it's fair i don't think i needed to be the getaway driver yes noah was at least on standby in case everything went south you um, needed the getaway car. So exactly. I say, hey, here's the stuff back. Sorry things didn't work out. How about we reschedule for tomorrow? I'll have the cash in hand, ready to go, 
you don't have to worry about a single thing. I stole the keys. And that's right. Pimping ain't easy. Um, and he says, cool, whatever. We'll make it happen. Just keep in contact. And I say, great, thanks, bye. And I'm back at the car. And we're like, okay, we are done. And I drive home. And it's past midnight at this point. And like, part of me is like, I just like to go to bed. <laughs> no, all of you is like, I am finishing the Truman Show and no one's going to stop me. See, that's what I said to them. Part of me was like, I'd like to sleep. But I knew in my heart, my my idealism. The Truman I, Show is going to bed. <laughs> that's right. I'm putting it to sleep forever tonight. So I did. I fully committed. And while Noah doesn't know this, there is a follow-up to this fiasco. Yeah, I don't know the re- kind of the rest of the story after that point. I was just like, huh, at least we didn't die that night. It's true. Crisis averted, hopefully. But what happened next? So the f- following day, I am um, checking out um, vehicles for my, my girlfriend. She um, Her car's been breaking down, and she wanted to get a reasonable replacement that didn't have mechanical issues. Honestly, understandable. Her vehicle is a complete disaster, if we're being honest. So I'm out with her, um, and during that time, I decide, hey, I'm going to go and get the cash because the guy said he wanted the cash. And I withdrew from my bank $330. Wow. I went to the bank to pull his money out because I, you know, I'd like to give this man the benefit of the doubt and say, hey, you know, maybe he'll come. Maybe he will sell me the things. End of the day, I'm like, I finish the car showings. We picked a car, thank goodness. And I text the mans and say, hey, I've got your $330. Let's make a transaction. And he, oh my gosh. Um, Here's what he says to me over text, uh, among other things. Ooh. Um, I haven't heard this. (laughs) It's okay. Thankfully, I didn't die. Um, So I'm like, I've got the $330 in cash. Uh, is this the guy from yesterday? Yeah. Lol. Okay. Um, so I sent him like an address that we can Whoa. meet at. Uh, and I mentioned to him that like, he says, Hey, let's actually meet again at Juliet's castle. What is <laughs> this obsession what? with yeah. Juliet's castle? Because he is committed to meeting at a central location that is not anywhere near me. Honestly, that's fine by me. So I get there. All mm, my party of three, my dad, my girlfriend, and myself, we're at Juliet's Castle because I'm going to buy this switch. And I say, hey, I've arrived. Um, I'm going to be here until this amount of time. So you have this amount of time to be able to come here. I've let you know in advance, I am here. I have your money. Give me your switch. It's in cash. So you can't do e-transfer nonsense. And he leaves me on red. Wow. Wait, oh, and that was it? And he never came. And yeah, so I'm I'm pissed. I'm like I just withdrew all this cash for nothing. And I looked on the uh, I looked on the 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 um the listing, and it says sold. I'm like, oh, he sold it to someone. Yeah, else. he sold it to someone else. Wow. Now I have a theory actually about this. That's not even a scam at that point, though. Like he didn't get any money from you. Thankfully. No. Whew. I'm pretty sure it was a stolen switch. I'm just gonna tell you. You think so? Yeah. Honestly, that's a good bet. Um, because he didn't have the, the, whatever it's called, the, 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 the charger, dock. the dock. Oh, the dock. Because he didn't have the dock. He didn't, <clears throat> did he not have the charger either? He had like this makeshift charger situation. Yeah, it was stolen. Okay. That makes sense. Which is why he was selling it for so cheap and why he got so mildly aggressive when things weren't working. Yeah. And why uh, he just kind of wanted to get rid of it. He didn't want to go through the uh, Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was stolen. His backstory was kind of sketchy when it came to that. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I don't know why he has just the dock in storage away from the Switch. Like, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. you need sense. the dock. Yeah. Uh, provided you play on the TV, but... Yeah. yeah, but, I mean, yeah, fair, I guess. Like, most people I've met who have a Switch primarily use the dock. Because they're normal people that use the Switch as it's intended. And most normal people don't want their, like, player profiles and stuff maintained on the Switch after oh, being was sold. Oh, he, was he insistent on having... That's really strange. He just didn't care, because he just gave it... Because there was a game preloaded on there, and he was like, yeah, it's fine, you can have it. And I'm like, that's unusual. That is unusual. Mm-hmm. So the story continues in that Noah feels bad because that was a bad situation <laughs> and decides, oh, I'm going to go find another Switch. There you <laughs> go. And so I found one for 350 <laughs> from a guy who looks legit. Okay. He's a nice guy. He's a ginger. I trust the gingers. Nice. As you should. And so I'm like, hey, man, I'll take it tomorrow, um, whatever time. And we work it out. And we're like, okay, noon sounds about right. I'm like, I got to go pick up groceries at one. Mm-hmm. It works out nicely. So I messaged Matt last night. I'm like, hey, let's uh, we got to go do it at noon tomorrow. You've got the cash yes. so that I can give it to him because the guy wanted cash, which after the transfer thing, I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, okay, we're good to go. Me and my other roommate, Jim Bob, have a good night last night. We set up some lights. We do Good times a, all around. A little bit, a couple out keys. And, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. And uh, I go to bed thinking Matt never responded when I said, let's meet. At, we got to go there at noon. And so I had written out a response. <laughs> and didn't send and it. And never sent it. But I had read it and said, okay, something is happening at noon. I will be ready for it. So... I get up the I get up the next day and like I drive my girlfriend because she is currently carless to Ambrose the university. Currently carless is the name of the band I play bass for. Very fun. It's true. Check out our EP. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at Ambrose because you know I'm I, I've driven my girlfriend to the school and we're hanging out and Noah sends me the text basically it's like. Hey, so we have this thing at 12, and it's 11.30. It was 11.30. And I was like, mother trucker, I... You have no... I actually felt really, really bad. And I knew, after he started sending me apologetic texts, he was like, I'm so, so sorry. And I'm like, man, it's not that big of a deal, but it's just a little bit annoying for me now. It was pretty sad. I was, like, stressing out in the middle of the Ambrose cafeteria. I kind of low-key broke down, but it's okay. Classic calf. Classic calf. Yeah, typical calf. I also play band for them. Play, oh my, play band. <laughs> my favorite instrument, the band. Are and I'm a conductor. Re- I had realized that Matt started feeling bad, like pretty bad. So I'm like, oh man, it's actually like no big deal. I'm just gonna go do it though. Yeah, like, I'm true. gonna go and get her done. So I go and I get get to an ATM. I pull out the money. I go to the place. I couldn't find parking because it was a really complicated complex. I'm glad we didn't end up living there. It was one of the, he ended up living in one of the places we first considered moving into. Oh really? Yeah, I told you that. Oh, yes. Oh, right. Right by one of our other friends' place. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I go over there, and he comes out. He's super joyous and happy. I'm a touch tired and other things. Of course. Um, And so he's, like, he's showing me things. And I'm like, yeah, looks good, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Send it. I'll take it. And he's like, oh, I'm even going to give you a case. My girlfriend will grab it. And they seem like really nice people. And I'm like, well, this is a really nice little exchange. They don't seem like they're going to stab me. They don't seem like they're going to stab me. That's how they get you. And it was a perfect exchange. I was happy. They were happy. Matt was happy. He got a switch. Um, And nobody felt bad. And no one got mugged or murdered. That we know of. And so, long story short, we got the switch. Beautiful. I... That story brings me to tears. That story yeah. was just a roller coaster of emotions. 
And then I sold my laptop today, finally. Nice. Oh, that happened today. Congratulations. And so I had to go meet up at... I was That was a mess, too. The guy, <laughs> the guy wanted to come pick it up, and I hadn't wiped it yet. Mm. And mm. so I'm in the middle of wiping it, and he's like, I can be there in three minutes. I'm like, man, I'm sorry. Uh, it, was, it was actually his friend. The guy who I was selling it to, he's out of, the ta- out of town, so his mm. friend was going to pick it up for him on his break. And so I'm like, yeah, that's fine, except uh, it can't work right now because it's stuck at 35%. So he, we organized, I said I'd bring it to his workplace at Subaru later. Oh, very Which is only 10 minutes from our house. It wasn't too bad. Um, but the freaking laptop was stuck at 35% for an hour. And That's so, I'm so like, strange. We're screwed. Like, it's clearly borked. So I just forced, shut it down. Okay. Started it back up. And it recovered all the files that it had already started resetting. Oh, no. And so I'm like, okay, so I've got like two options here. I can try to do it again and hope that it works. In the amount of time that I can get it to this guy at Subaru before he's off work. Yep. Or, I'm going to try something a little bit sketch and just force install, reinstall Windows on it. Because I already had my USB from doing it on the PC I just built. Ooh. So I just plugged it in and booted it from the USB, deleted everything on the drives. And I'm like, that technically does the same thing. I mean, it's not quite as legit. <laughs> it's a little bootleg, but it, it gets the job I mean, done. there's no files left on the drives. I mean, I don't know if they're recoverable if you know fancy text stuff. Um, so maybe I just doxed myself. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. It's true. Classic Noah. He might have my OnlyFans password, which is disappointing. Well, that's um, for you <laughs> wonderful viewers that are... Oh, I need, I need to tell you that story. Anyway, so I end up at Subaru. My bootleg weird reinstalling. I mean, I did reinstall Windows, though. Like, I did okay, boot yeah. it from my heart. So my it's legit. USB. We're not ripping anyone off no, here. No, I gave him the full... And I even... I was worried that maybe because I booted Windows from the USB instead of re- letting the factory reset reinstall it. Yep. I was worried that maybe the activation product key wouldn't work. Ooh, right. But I took a picture of it beforehand just in case, and I checked it before I gave it away, and yeah, it was activated. So I didn't give him a ripped out version of Windows. It was legit. Nice. Good um, to hear. And hopefully everything works out, but I'm actually kind of paranoid <laughs> because I meet the guy, the, the guy's friend at Subaru. Yeah. I have to stand around for a while, find this guy. He was working in service. He comes out. He starts looking at it, and he's like very particular. He hands me a bill of sale. Oh, my. And I'm like, nice. hey, this guy's legit. I guess he worked at Subaru, so he must be. Um, so I signed that, and he's checking it out, and he's like, oh, do you notice there's like the key marks on the screen from mm-hmm. it being closed? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, is that a bad thing? I don't know. I've never noticed it. And he's like, I mean, I've never seen it on mine, but you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. And I give him the box and everything's good. And he starts asking me about what it'll run. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I played Rocket League a lot. And he's like, oh, do you think it'll run CSGO or whatever? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, I played CSGO, but it'll work fine. So I give I give the laptop to the guy and I start driving back. Mm. And his friend is messages me saying, thanks so much for doing so much today. I know it was kind of a bit of a pain driving around and trying to get the laptop prepped. Thanks for all that you did. Mm-hmm. So I see that and I'm happy. Two minutes later, he sends me a message saying, wait, wasn't it supposed to be an MSI laptop? Period. Oh, no. And I'm like, what the it is an MSI laptop. What do you What do you want about, brother? And so I'm driving back, and I'm like, do I pull over to respond to this, or do I just... I'm like, I'll just wait till I get home. Okay. 
And so I'm driving home. Did you give him the wrong laptop? No. <laughs> you had and more than one. I'm driving laptop. home, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just like, imagining he like takes your laptop or something <laughs> like and it's accidentally like, sells a different laptop. Sells oh, no. Matt's MacBook. Rest um, in peace. Anyway, so I'm driving back, and then I get another message finally saying, "Oh, sorry, Dylan was screwing with me." <laughs> and Dylan sends the picture to the group chat of what Dylan's a guy who or that was the middleman. Right. Yeah. Oh, he I sends see, a yeah. picture of what he sent to his friend, and it's this crappy Dell gaming laptop that looks like trash. And I'm like, okay, you gave me a heart attack. I'm like already on edge from the last transfer right. That's I had. Such a good play. Though. And so, and it was funny, but I'm still kind of paranoid that he's gonna come back in like a day. And give me some issue. Something's wrong with it. He's just going to give you the crappy Dell gaming laptop and say, why did you sell me this? I'm still a little paranoid. I'm not going to lie to you. Mm -hmm. After everything that happened with the Switch, I'm like, what if he comes back and something's actually wrong? I don't think anything's wrong. Windows is right. It's activated. I gave him the activation key just in case. We've all become very wary merchants. Yeah. Yeah, And I waited. I'm like, I'm not leaving until I get that heat transfer, brother. (laughs) Incredible. And so he learned. I don't want to sell anymore. That's fair. And yet I just contacted someone on Kijiji to buy something out. So I'm tired. I'm also tired. Do you want to know why I'm tired today? Well, I know your parents are in town. My parents are in town, and so that's that's unrelated, but it's like every day. They're like, do you want to do stuff? And I'm like, I need to read a whole book, but sure. Um, But that book's read now, so I really don't have anything to do. Um, But this morning, so I've started working at the Ambrose Writing Center. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, this morning, God, I know where this is going. I don't know if you do. You yeah, probably don't. Um, so, so I have a class at eleven. Um, I have a class that runs from no, sorry, it's, it runs from ten to eleven fifteen. Hmm. And my first ever Ambrose writing shift starts at one. Um, and then I have a class in person at three fifteen. So, like, the shift is like one to three, and then I have a three fifteen class, and then I'm done for the day. I I, I have probably forty five minute hour transit ride between my house and the school so i end class at eleven fifteen, and that should give me like a proper like hour to just chill out at the school mm. i don't have any lunch and i'm like i was thinking the night before do i want to make lunch in that time and try to scramble over the school no doms. i have i mean doms would work i'm kind of done with doms after four years in residence <laughs> but That's i do have heresy. i do have these subway cards and I'm like, these coupons. And I'm oh, like... no. You tried to go to Subway. I did. Oh, tried is the operative word. <laughs> um, and I know, I know, because I've been there before, and I, I thought about it many a time. I know if I stop at Sirocco Station, there's the little market to the side there, and I can grab Subway there, because I know there's a Subway there. And I'm like, okay, this is a good plan. I will get out of my class, pack things up as quickly as I can, and then head over. So... Probably 11.30, maybe 11.45 at the latest, I get out of the house. Like, I can't imagine it's much later than that. And so I get out of the house, and I go, and right off the bat, I get to the the station, and I need to, like, cross the tracks to get to the side of the station that I need to be on. I see the train that I need to be on, and the other train, and the tracks are closed down, so I can't walk across. And so my train leaves, and I'm like, well, all right. I wait there. The I wait there for like another fifteen minutes, for for the next train to come. So I'm like, this is already off to a bad start. Um, but I'm like, I have my podcast in, and I'm like, okay, this this is fine. 
this will be fine. I can still make it there in time. I'll just eat quickly. Maybe maybe take uh, my bag with me to the library and eat there. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Because um, I'm supposed to have, like, a room that I'm, like, doing writing center work in in the library. I'm like, I can just eat there. That's fine. So I go. I transfer downtown. And I get to Sirocco Station. And I walk down. And I walk into the market area. And I'm like, I don't see a subway. And I'm looking, like, I know there's a subway here, and I can't see it. I'll just pull up maps, maybe I'm stupid. I pull up maps, and there's, like, a perfect radius around me of where there's subways, except in, like, the very center where I am. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? So I look around, go door to door. The subway is closed down. (laughs) Thank you once again, 2020. And so, how'd you get back? So I dejectedly walk back to Sirocco Station um, with no lunch in hand. You didn't get anything from the market? No. I was like, there's nothing there that I was like really excited for. And at this point, it's like... dedicated to Subway. I was dedicated to Subway. And at this point, it's like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes before, like, I, it, before 1 o'clock when my shift starts. And I'm like, I just need to get going. I'll figure out something on the way. Um... And so I get on the train, I walk back to school, I stop at Waves, I pick up an Ice London Fog, um, a lemon loaf, and uh, a croissant. And that is my lunch for the day. That's really sad. Nutritious. Oh, I can't even... I, I get to the library, like, 105 or something like that. It's not bad. It's not bad. You clutch it, that one out, it, It's like, it's a little bit after 105. And I get there, and I talk to the lady at the desk, who, like, I don't recognize, but she's also in a mask, so who knows. Um, and she's like, oh, hi, um, do you know the rules of the library? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um... And then I, like, I go to look at the doors, and I'm like, I don't see anything. So I go back to her, and I'm like, I'm with the writing center. Do you know where I'm supposed to be? And she's like, no, this is my first shift. I'm like, same. <laughs> and so I, I open up my emails. I just sit down at a random table, open up my emails, and I already have an email from Beth Gripping, where I was like, why haven't you signed in yet? Is everything okay? And I'm like, I don't have my room. Um, which... I think she took as the reason that I'd been sitting there for 10 minutes, as opposed to, I'm starving and didn't get food, so that's a handy excuse. Glendon rolled high on deception. Yeah, so oh. so we get all that set up, I do my session, I eat my lemon loaf and my croissant, croissant. which, oh yeah, they, they were good. Um, and so then I go immediately to my class, and I finish up my class, and I'm talking to people, and hanging out for a bit after my class, but I'm like, I should get going. Also, I'm really hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I Please know. Tell me it's not Subway. <laughs> I know Schubert is making supper, but I want to grab something on the way. And I, there must be other Subway shops oh on the God. way home. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm checking because yeah, I'm dedicated at this point. I'm like, I deserve Subway right now. Like, I'm so set on this. This has to work out. The stars have to align. And I have this coupon. I want to use this coupon. Um, and so I, I'm looking at maps, and I'm seeing at the stop before mine, there's a subway right by it, and I'm like, okay, this will work, I'll be set to this. Um, and as I'm working my way there, I'm noticing, like, many other ones that I could have easily stopped at, and probably would have been more convenient, but I'm like, you know what, no, I have this, this is gonna work, nothing wrong will ever happen. So you got subway. So I get off oh at my, my at, at that station, and I go into the mall... <laughs> And I walk into the mall, 
And I go and I see Subway. I'm like, excellent. And I get up there and the guy's like, we're closed. Is this depression? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sir, it's 5.58. And he's like, I can't start a new order. We're closed. And I'm like, but it's 5.58. And so I'm walking away, like, kind of ready to cry. I'm just like, I'm hungry. I've walked, I've sea trained and I've walked. I want food. Um, and so, absolutely dedicated at this point. Because they could just go admit defeat and get on the sea train and go home. Or get any other number of food. Well, no, the entire mall is closing down. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Like, the entire mall is closing down. And I'm like, I want this meal. Um, and so I go to maps again. And I'm like, are there any subways close to me? A 12, 13 minute walk away. There's a subway. So you walk another 12 minutes. I walk another, like, 12, 13 minutes. Um, get subway. Finally, I walk in. It's open. I order food. I sit down. I rip my mask off and relax and eat a, eat a nice sub. Um, and then I, I walk. This is, like, just north of Sate. So now I have to, like, walk to the Sate station, which is not the station I got off at. It's the station before the one I got off at. Um, and then ride back. And then it's like another 10 minute walk to my house. And so I just collapse on our couch and I'm like, Schubert, I'm tired. And Schubert's like, okay, man. And he made hamburgers, which was really nice, but it was a long day. So was the subway worth it? I don't know. But I mean, if anyone says that Glendon doesn't commit, they can reference this and think again. I, yeah, it... Like, I like Subway, but it was just... I was so tired that I just kind of wolfed it down. Oh, And no. so I didn't really savor it or anything. I was just like, I want food in my body. Most... I feel, I feel like most of my day today was spent in transit. Short and sweet. Mm-hmm. Transit. transit. But sadly, not savory. Not really. Correct. I mean, let's be honest, though. Is Subway ever worth it, though? Yeah. Subway's great. I don't understand why you don't like Subway. Again, their bread is bad. Their bread's fine. Except I did get, what did I get last time? It was like some cheddar bread. Or yeah. Something. That was okay. Yeah. That was reasonable bread. I've never had a problem with Subway bread. Um, Last time was actually pretty good because I got some chicken bacon thing. Mm, okay. There you go. Very nice. Oh, should I also tell the other story that I told you, Matthew? Yes, please do. <laughs> That'll be very exciting to There's tell another this story? podcast. Yeah. This is just story time. Story time. Yes. We'll maybe have a theme. We usually wrap things up. So yesterday, yesterday, I noticed my follower um, number, my my number of followers on Twitter bumps up one. I'm like, okay. And so I do what any sane person does when they have like a relatively low follower account. They stalk the crap out of them. Yeah. I'm like, who is this person? So I open their account and um, this comes up. Nudes. So, yep. it starts off like, alright. Like, this is, like, just pictures. Okay. Nope. Whatever. Nudes. Um, it swiftly just becomes, like, lingerie pictures. Yeah, brother. Um, and, like, a lot of them. Like, all through the summer. I can see Noah pulling up his phone and attempting to follow <laughs> as we speak. Yep. Well, this is the thing. This is the peculiar thing. Glendon's getting hot and heavy, and then no, he no, notices. No, no, no. This person has f- is following 49 accounts. Okay. They are not followed by anybody. 
Like they have zero followers. <laughs> they have zero followers. Yeah. And so right. I'm like, okay, this is like some whatever like thirst trap account, but there's no followers. She's been posting all summer. There are no notifications or like interactions on any of her posts. So Glendon's like, you know what? And I'm apparently, be a gentleman. her account started in like 2011. So I can only assume she has more posts that she's deleted because she doesn't want to look like she's been posting forever. And had no interaction. <laughs> I, I'm on the verge of like, is this like a parody account somehow? Like, this one is Happy Third Advent, and then it's this picture. That's a good third advent. And like, what's your favorite sport? And just like, random generic quotes that she's stolen. Like, um, it's just a lot of like, generic like white girl quotes but with like it's just are you saying it's an actual real account i have no idea like it could just be a bot yeah there are there are two two things either it's a bot but it's like i'm pretty sure it's all the same person or it's like a satire account which i kind of want it to be because that would be so funny to me it could be could you imagine because there's just there's no interaction on any of these and it's so Something about this is, like, mind-bogglingly hilarious to me. I don't know why. Glendon's in love. I'm I'm not. I'm just baffled. Because, like, every other Thirst Trap account I've seen has, like, thousands and thousands of followers. Because like, everyone's thirsty. Because everyone's thirsty. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But there's no engagement on this. And I also don't know how she found me. It's almost comical in a way. It's super comical. Oh. That's, like... I would just be, I don't know, take advantage. Slide into those DMs. <laughs> I don't think Glendon's that thirsty of a person. Part of me does want to message and just be like, yeah. is this a joke account? Because I really want it to be. And she responds, do you think my tits are a joke? <laughs> because they can be for a price. <laughs> Yikes. Here's only my OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like, I was talking to Matthew on the drive and he was like, can you like make any money off of that? I'm like, I imagine you gain a, a, a following and then you oh, like yeah. a following on Twitter. And then you're like, here's my only fans, but she doesn't have a following. You know, <laughs> sometimes you, you just have to take that L. She's a pretty attractive woman. I don't understand why she doesn't have followers. It's really confusing to me. So slide into them DMs. Yeah, who knows? Please. Maybe it isn't a bot. Do it right now for the podcast. Or if it is a bot, <laughs> even better. Please, what? what if she responds? This could be a whole thing. What if we follow her on the like on the podcast? The official account? podcast. Yes. Ooh, that'll look so bad. <laughs> <laughs> following our official accounts, following three people: me, Glendon, and this random person who posts lingerie <laughs> photos. So uh, do we keep this in the podcast, or do we edit this out? Oh, Absolutely. we're keeping this now. Glendon, message her so we can see what happens. What if we message her with the podcast? I just don't want to message her with my account. Why? I think I'm going to have to follow her, though. Oh, wait. Can you even DM if she's not following you back? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you can. Because I think it depends if her DMs are open or not. She actually, you might be the only one who's able to message her. <laughs> Do it. It's not like anyone will know. We'll see. Well, except all of you wonderful viewers. That's the thing. It's not about do people know. It's about my soul. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but think about it. Maybe she's actually a nice, smart young woman who just happens to be posting those pictures. Maybe and then she... you fall in love. Perhaps. 
Love. Love. And that's the topic. (laughs) (laughs) Is that that how we're transitioning? (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, 30, We got him. Um, this is a podcast about love. It always has been, always will be. You bet. Speaking of love. Love is a most mysterious thing. It's true. Truly. What are your experiences with love, Glendon? Well, I don't know. I feel like we've talked about this a little bit. Didn't we have like a whole Valentine's Day episode? I, I remember. Not that I remember, but it's I'm, possible. I'm pretty sure we talked about like you dating and stuff. I'm nope. not- what? We definitely haven't. No, because we, we talked about like you went to like the, the Calgary Zoo and like you went to the dinosaurs and were like sick or something. Maybe that was the purity culture episode. Maybe. But that was focused on purity culture. This is focused on what it means to love. That's fair. Hmm. I mean, Glenn and I have both been single, so... Um, I mean, I, I haven't always been single. I mean, I, Noah's always been single. Glendon has been in... Actually, I don't really remember. I've been in, like... Casual relationships? No, not, I wouldn't call them casual. Well, yeah, just, that has tr- different connotations. One, one, of them, one of them we dated for a couple months, but we were, like, an hour and a half apart. So I think we counted it, because we were, like, actually good friends again. Oh. We counted it, and it was like we actually went on like maybe like six or seven like quote unquote dates oh. outings o- over like three months. What's still I mean. But it was like dates slash hangouts. The other one was like totally online and doesn't count. I understand. I feel that. So for all intents and purposes, you really just had one. Yeah. The other one we don't need to talk about. Well, but what was what did you learn about love from that? Um, what was your experience? Love is suffering. I mean, you're not entirely I'm not wrong. Entirely wrong. Love and suffering kind of have to go hand in hand. I I don't know. I remember thinking a lot because I was super edgy and also a romantic. I mm. remember thinking a lot in that time that like I didn't feel like I was in love yet. Like I didn't know mm. what that meant yet. Mm. And it was there was something else that was like still beyond me. Ooh. And I still kind of feel that too. In, in terms of like romantic love, like. I don't know. I've definitely enjoyed being in, like, the company of people, Mm. but I feel like I haven't experienced yet, like, the full intimacy of, like, knowing and being known by a person Mm. and being, like, comfortable in that. I was was just, like, awkward high school dating. Yeah. Well, yeah, what, what, how old were you when this happened? I was, so, that one was, like, grade 12. Okay. okay. Yeah. So you're like kind of sort of reaching some level of maturity. But you, you would still think don't 17 really... to 18. That's the hope yeah. at least. Yeah, yeah, but you still don't really know what you're doing. Yeah, and there was a lot about myself that I definitely didn't know yeah. at that point too. You didn't even know you were type 4 back then. Yeah. I didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> exactly. That's fair. But okay, but dang, that was actually a really good answer though. Yeah, indeed. And um, now I'm going to tell a story about Matthew. Uh, Wait, that... What? Related, I, I don't know. Related to love? Maybe. I don't know. I was just, we were, we were talking about your girlfriend, and I, for some reason, thought about, like, the first time that I found out you guys were dating. Oh, very interesting. Which okay. is a really funny story. Tell us. Uh, I am interested to hear your perspective. Okay, so, I, I'm, fr- I, I'm friends with Matthew's girlfriend. I might even suggest that I n- know her better than I know Matthew. Understandable. I yeah, think you spent more time. Generally speaking, I believe you were both res students. Yeah, we were we were on res together for two Thank years you. and like hung out a bunch. And so I was talking to her over the summer because mm. I was like, whatever, you know. I was at camp and I think I called her 
at one point, or she called me, something like that. And we got talking, and she got mentioning how she was starting to hang out with, like, a certain Matthew Tabarada. And I was like, oh, Matthew's a great guy. Yeah, everyone loves Matthew. And she was like, yeah, he's been teaching me, like, a lot about Smash Bros. and all these different things. I'm like, yeah, classic Matthew. That that makes sense. <laughs> Typical. Um, this, is, this is as much as she tells me. And I think that weekend, maybe, I come over and we're hanging out. Mm. And, um... She comes to pick me up from my sister's condo with Matthew, which I was like, that's, <laughs> that's odd, <weird. laughs> but sure. Um, and so we go over um, to her place and we play Smash a bit. And I'm like, I mean, I guess Matthew's been hanging, it all, hanging out a lot, but like, all right, sure. And then we go over to Walmart mm-hmm. to pick stuff up. I think I need, I know I needed shoes. I think I need something else as well. Yes. And they're you like. You use those shoes? Yeah. Nice. They're good shoes. I'm glad. Yeah. Walmart, everybody. Yeah. Good shoes. I kind of want to go back to Walmart and get more shoes because they're cheap. Walmart they trip. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like a minute or so into our Walmart trip, they start handholding. Brenda's <laughs> like, wait, what the? <laughs> Literally, like with no warning, they like hold hands and I'm like, okay. <laughs> um and proceed to not comment on it the entire Walmart trip. And so like there I am <laughs> with my girlfriends. We're handholding because we're like you know I I personally I trust Glendon enough that I feel comfortable in his presence. I can I can expose this part of my life to him and, and share have him share in the experience and like Glendon does an excellent job of deflecting, <laughs> never maintaining eye contact for more than a second. So Glendon's very uncomfortable, is what you're thinking. Uh, is what I'm thinking. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I turn over to my girlfriend, and I'm like, what do we, what do we do? Like, is this? Are we making him uncomfortable? And she's like, uh. And so we just keep going. And you know, we 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 go through Walmart and yeah. Like my goal at this point is like, I don't want to make a show of this, so I'm gonna say absolutely nothing, because otherwise, like, we have to have a whole conversation. And I'm like, I just want shoes, man. Like, <laughs> like this is fine. We can talk about this later, but, like, whatever. And so I, I go through, like, the entire... I think we go back to your place and play Smash Bros. We do, indeed. <laughs> and I continue... As if nothing happens. And I continue to say absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, like, maybe maybe Haley will drop me off and we can talk about it. Have, like, a... a, a a civilized conversation then mm-hmm. um oh yeah that's her name by the way i yeah, don't think we've ever actually yeah. said it i i don't know Wait, if that was supposed to be on the download can i ask for some context here why is this such an awkward thing i mean it, it's 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 just a surprise to me and like mm. i knew some stuff about matthew's recent history and i was like i knew stuff about like some of Haley's history in like the past year or so and i was like okay this is interesting this is like mm-hmm. worthy of a conversation. Yes, uh, for context, um, I can, I can. Okay, don't worry. I'll, I'll divulge <laughs> if you want that. To contextualize. Well, for for very brief and very general yeah. contextualization, mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of the summer, I was um, in a six month relationship with someone else that I had recently broken off mm-hmm. in mid to late June, yep. and I had started dating Haley. Come July, mm-hmm. uh, mid to late July, so it only been like a month since my previous relationship yeah moving into this one i don't i don't even know if i like officially heard you guys had broken up i just noticed that her profile picture had changed and i was like oh yeah that's how i knew too (laughs) your profile picture had changed yeah yeah well when mine had changed that was that was when it had officially yeah yeah which was like the day before we all met up 
at, like, <laughs> it certainly was. a friend's house. And I'm like, I texted Ethan, I'm like, Ethan, did, like, Matt and his girlfriend break up just now? Or, like, did you really do that? Yeah. Because I, I, I didn't know it's... if I, I didn't know if it was a thing that had happened, like, a while ago, or if it was, like, fresh. So Ethan's like, oh, not that I know of. I don't know. And so I'm like, okay, maybe we'll just be wary of this <laughs> at the get-together in case he's, like... <laughs> Not, not doing so hot and yeah. so that may have been part of it we're like i knew but like it had never been officially confirmed to me mm-hmm. and so i was like this is interesting um <laughs> and so yeah i was like well maybe maybe Haley will drop me off and then we'll have a conversation then because we we did that like earlier in the summer we just like hung out and chatted in like the parking lot and then sure enough um Haley goes to drop me off, and Matthew Tavarada jumps in the car yet again. If you had said I would like to go on my own, I probably would have been fine with it. I was you should have like, just said. But... I didn't know what to say at that point. I it's kind like, of hard. Well, like, how do you like say? Can you get out of the car? Well, no, exactly. It's like, hey, friend, who I enjoy your company, don't <laughs> drive with me. Can, can I just clarify something? Because I don't want this to be accidentally misconstrued. Just yes. the vibe I'm getting. As Glendon and Haley are good friends, yeah. But Glendon, as far as I know, it doesn't has never expressed romantic interest. If no, that's what you're thinking, not yes. Because that's kind of what's coming no. across a little bit here, and I'm a little concerned that people are going to be like, "Wait, <laughs> is Glendon playing the jealous play here?" Or oh, like, you bet. Oh no. my, she's um, no, she's like a little good, sister. Yeah. Okay, just good clarification yeah. for the listeners who don't yeah. know anything and about yes, this. Yes, if you're coming into this completely blind, <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, so. Matthew and Haley drop me off, and I'm like, okay. So I go up, and I already have this message in mind, but I'm like, I'm going to wait a solid 10, 15 minutes so, like, (laughs) they can get back to the house and, like, maybe drop off Matthew or whatever. And so I do whatever I do. I don't know, like, play Hollow Knight or something. Who knows? Um, Probably YouTube memes. And then I just send Haley a singular message. Hand-holding? Question mark, question mark. Oh, my God. (laughs) Glendon, why? Oh, and the worst part was that like she and I were still playing Smash at the house, Smash. and then you send the text, and she's like, "Look at this," and I'm like, "Damn!" <laughs> I thought we were discreet. We were not being discreet. Did you think you were being discreet? We were just trying to be nice. Man, and the first time I ever met Haley. Mm-hmm. Matt kept sending these cryptic messages to our roommate group chat. I'm really, really bad at yeah. introducing Haley as my girlfriend. Because he's like, uh, yeah, I have this contact who works at Walmart, <laughs> and we can get a good discount. And so he keeps saying, like, yeah, I'll see if my contact can get us a deal or something. And then finally he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll meet my contact there. And I'm like, clearly he's referencing his girlfriend. And I don't know if Ethan clued into that, but I certainly did. And so I show up, and I'm like, yeah, it's clean as clear as day and um i met her and it was actually really not that awkward but it's just funny how mac kept referring to her as his contact i just i do a spectacular job of making things as awkward as possible for everyone involved but let's what does that reveal about love hold on i just want to read this this interaction so i'm like hand holding and she's like surprise um i don't think the timing seems quick and then she talked about it i was like i, I was like mostly surprised Mostly surprised more than anything else. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's valid. I don't know enough to make any judgments. I'll watch closely, lol. Oh she says, that's totally fair. I promise not to hurt your boy in any way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. All that to say that, like, when it comes to love, 
It's a very... Cryptic. <laughs> love is cryptic. Love shouldn't have to be so cryptic. It's Ooh. just because I personally am very awkward. Cryptic. Yeah, sure. Some would some would say I like to use very mysterious methods of communication. Um, but I think that... The word is indirect. It, it, thank you kindly. Um, I think one principle that can be taken out of at least my experience um, mm. is that, like, love... Hmm... There's a lot. Love clicks, but sometimes it's also very unexpected. Mm. Um, and it's also something that's meant to be intentionally developed. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, love is not only a state of being, it is also an action. Yeah. And I agree. And I, being that it is an action, it also lends itself to suffering. Like, Clinton, although he was joking earlier, he's kind of right in that love is suffering. Because love is a form of attachment mm -hmm. in some way. It is. And choosing to be attached to someone means you risk getting hurt by them either leaving you or uh, rejecting you for something about you. Because you, with love, you can't really hold anything back. Mm -hmm. Or else it's not love. Love is, like, open and vulnerable. <laughs> and when you're open and vulnerable, that's when you're most... Um, well, open to and suffering. Vulnerable. <laughs> vulnerable. <laughs> but that's when suffering can hit you the most because that's when all of you is out there mm. and all of you can get hurt. Mm. Emotionally, specifically. Later and physically. on, sometimes physically. But we'll Glendon is currently dying. <laughs> he hurts a little on the inside. Continue, um, sorry. I don't know. It's an interesting perspective or an interesting lens when you realize that you cannot love someone without suffering. Mm -hmm. in some way whether that's suffering with them or at once... least like risking suffering i no, i would argue suffering period whether that's uh, i'm not necessarily saying like every relationship you get in you'll eventually be hurt and broken up with i'm saying you will suffer with them if they get that's hurt fair. if they end up getting sick which they will that's the whole vow thing like in yeah. sickness or in health and whatever and Better so forth worse, yeah. like you are choosing to suffer when you fall in love or when you love possibly relevant that the etymology of the word passion comes from the idea of suffering to suffer yeah mm -hmm. uh i actually wrote a paper on that at one point nice wow, no kidding. Yeah. was that for um it's for advanced expository prose that would be it yeah. no, it was for the podcast silly <laughs> and it's true um passion like the passion which like in the christian catholic terms the passion of the Christ, mm -hmm. the suffering of the Christ, but also passion is like the unity of suffering and love. Yeah, because it, it, it is in that moment that love is demonstrated mm. through right. suffering, fully culminated in some ways. Yeah, and I don't think there's any way to separate suffering from love, because without it, would it really be love? Ooh. That's the question. Mm -hmm. Um, though I do wonder when you get to the idea of like oneness or that mm. um ultimate unity mm -hmm. or what was Owen barfield's term yeah. for it absolute um it's like secondary yeah consciousness something like that what oh secondary consciousness that's a kind of a different thing but oh, okay. yeah we can that's a whole other topic yeah but i wonder if that if suffering is included in that as well which is well, interesting i think because what what barfield talks about is this idea of starting in unity mm -hmm. and then falling from unity only to then eventually restore to that unity. Right. And I think there's some suffering. It's oh, the yeah. Felix Culpa f fortunate fall kind of idea of like, you have unity, but you break from that in order to find your individuality so that yeah. you may experience whole unity 
in the sense of many individuals coming together. And you could describe individuality as essential suffering. Yeah. Um, to be an individual is to suffer mm. in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're lacking that wholeness. And that's... Um, Peter Rollins um, talks about... Uh, he Obviously, it's not entirely his idea, but he's come up with the term of pyrotheology. Okay. What's that? Um, and it's looking at... It's when your fire is your god. Not... No. No, not at all, actually. <laughs> um, but he really dives deep into this idea of the universe being essentially incomplete. Hmm. Rather than looking from the, like... Um, I guess non-duality of it, right. mm. of it being essentially one, which you could still argue it is, but mm. also in being individual and separate, it's also essentially incomplete. Mm. He's an incredibly smart philosopher. I would imagine um, so. Who's, uh, it's also heavily influenced by Hegel, mm, if right. you're familiar. What was his name again? Would you say... Peter Rollins. Would you say he's on par with Benjamin Shapiro? If Benjamin Shapiro <laughs> were like a, were like a, a nickel, okay? Like a Ken nickel? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, if Ben Shapiro were uh, a penny, Peter Rollins would be like $100. Nice. Um, which is, a, it's an exaggeration for sure. Like, I'm not saying, I, I just, I don't even think Ben Shapiro has like a philosophy education. I don't think he's smart. It's kind of like comparing apples to oranges, really. Even but like, like, one of them is like a little rotten. Mm. yeah i mean at least someone like jordan peterson actually has an education and mm-hmm. is a professor he i might fundamentally disagree on a bunch of things but he is educated at the very least yeah. ben shapiro legitimately isn't educated <laughs> he has like a ba in something entirely unrelated does he yeah That's um funny. so that i don't even understand why he's ever brought in the conversation no peter rollins is i would encourage you to listen to him he's incredibly articulate and is mm-hmm. able to express these things in various ways so it's not to say that you have to view the universe through either of these lenses. Mm. I think they can coexist, and I think they're like that's the whole idea of non-duality, right? That there is this fundamental oneness, but we're still living in a, a separateness. Mm. That's the point. That also goes back to the Barfield aspect, where it's mm. still kind of like the oneness is present, but you kind of are living in that separateness the for oneness. a time. I know. I hate using the term oneness now because it's kind of a meme, but <laughs> <laughs> I miss that. I miss that study session. Yeah. And now we'll never see each other again. Let's get into that again. <laughs> oh, boy. But also, that is part of love, where you have to let people go. Mm-hmm. And, Noah, I mean, like, you being kind of a person that... Is single? What has been your experience of love? Singleness. I am living in that separateness. <laughs> <laughs> that Noah is, is suffering. suffering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I don't... I, it's hard... I was thinking about this actually recently that I can't even write poetry about what love is like because I can't say I've experienced it in that way. I know what love is like through poetry or through other books and whatnot. Like I can, I can, in some ways I can feel what it would be like, but because I haven't experienced it in that way, I couldn't even articulate anything about it Yeah. besides what I've learned through other people. And that's different than a personal experience with it. For sure. It's very visceral to be sure. um, Yeah. And is a very different experience. And I mean, Mm -hmm just coming from my own personal experience speaking on to the idea that love involves the element of suffering and mm-hmm. in a way one way that i would think about is that true love requires that sense of all in mm-hmm. um there is like that full commitment to suffering yep. but also to joy and to laughter yep. yeah and when you have someone that can be there for you in mm-hmm. those moments that's mm-hmm. a wonderful thing 
Um, but it also hurts when you've invested that much into someone mm. and unfortunately values misalign. Things yeah. are mm. different. Um, and like, I know for myself, I've had that personal experience. Um, but uh, again, I think that the principles that you speak towards are mm. very, um, I think are very visceral. Mm-hmm. And I think that many folks, I think for better or for worse can relate to in some way. Yeah. And I do think, I feel like we as a society have, to a degree, like, done ourselves a disservice by limiting the discussion of love to, like, purely romantic love in a lot of concepts. Mm -hmm. And especially in in the way that comes out in terms of, like, relationships and, like, guy-girl dynamics. We're like, and I imagine we talked about this a little bit in the purity culture Mm -hmm. episode. We're definitely crossing over a little bit. But, like... I think there there are definitely other avenues that you do experience love, even if it's not, like, romantic or whatever. Like, you, I, I think of a lot of, like, my good friends and the people who, like, yeah, like, I, I would suffer for. I would be like, hey, like, I am here for you regardless of whatever. Like, there is a love that is experienced through that, and there is a love mm-hmm. that I felt through that. Almost like a love of brotherhood. Hey? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, well, that's, uh, what's the term for that? The brotherhood? Phileo. Phileo. Phileos. I'm glad you both knew that off the top of your head. Philadelphia. That's kind of <laughs> impressive. Uh, yes. My favorite Italian place, Philadelphia. Um, I, I was just thinking, There's Peter Rollins describes, you know, I described it as an incompleteness. He describes it as a lack that's yeah. fundamental to the universe. And that lack is also fundamental to joy. Mm. Really? Um, mm. So in an episode of the Liturgist podcast with Michael Gunger, Peter Rollins describes joy as an aroma of heaven. And here he's referencing C.S. Lewis, who that's how he described joy. It's as an aroma of heaven. As in you get a scent, you get the the awareness of it, but you don't it's not actually present. You don't actually have it with you. Um and so Peter Rollins describes joy as the pleasure in not having or not getting what you desire it's almost like the frustration of the um the havel of it the the breathiness the wispiness of you you just can't grasp it you can't claim it as your own it's just there and it's almost a joy to experience pain in a way pain is the contradiction of life peter Rollins says um or at least Pain is the expression of the contradiction of life that is being itself. Um, life cannot exist without pain, and neither can joy. Um, too much pain is death, and too little pain would mean no self, no subjectivity. Um, in a way, again, Peter Rollins describes being as the wound of the universe. We are the wound of the universe. We are the contradiction. And I love the way that he describes life as a universally shared trauma. Life is sharing that pain with everything else that's also inherently separate, inherently wounded. We are the universe experiencing itself, seeing itself, feeling itself. And we can't do that without suffering, without the cuts, without the separateness. And so when we think about love... I can't help but understand it in the same light as a universally shared trauma, a universally shared suffering. 
And it's the fact that we share it with each other. That's where love is present. Love is present in that flow of all of us separate beings experiencing our separateness together. And it's only once we embrace that contradiction, once we make peace with the fact that we are lack, we are that wound, that we can begin to stop scapegoating, to stop blaming everything else, and just be. And once we are present, <laughs> once we are present like that, that's where love can just flow right in and unite us all under that same inherent lack. Almost comparable to like the observation of light by virtue of its absence. To an, yes, I would say that's actually a pretty good comparison. Hmm. Um, that's pretty close to how I would describe it. I, yeah. I can't help but notice your your wording of love is demonstrated by lack while you have George Herbert sitting open on your desktop. That leads us to one of the most famous love poems ever written. Am I right? Indeed. And Glendon will read it. Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack, from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest I answered worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I the unkind, ungrateful, ah, my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply, who made the eyes but I? Truth, love, but I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. And you know not, says love, who bore the blame? My dear, then I will serve. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat. There's a lot that could be said about that poem. Mm. I like the visceralness of taste my meat. Mm. Not just taste the meat, taste my meat. Mm-hmm. It's a very, like, it's almost sexual. Yeah. Which a Herbert is very sexual. Mm-hmm. It's it's sexual and Eucharistic all at once. Exactly. Which is also an interesting topic. A very expert balance, to be sure. Mm. And, again, fundamentally, that poem describes love as, well, both a giving, obviously. Mm-hmm. Giving of the meat and eating the meat. Mm-hmm. Which is again referencing passion, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the passion. I just, I, 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 I mean, coming back to that idea of like, um, lack. I, I always mm. love that idea of love, kind of basically existing as like a bartender or like, a mm. uh, uh, like a, a waitress coming up and being like, hey, like, what do you lack? What do you need? Um, I, I just love that. It's a picture of service, but it's also a picture of like hospitality and comfort. Mm. kind of like the love that is ever present in all things Mm -hmm. just waiting flowing moving and sometimes you find yourself in that flow and sometimes you don't and yet love is there either way but it's it's specifically i think in this like it's a love that is like present and there for you it's and it is like centrally expressed in service as well yeah, I, I I feel like I've seen a couple of times on my Twitter feed recently um, a discussion of First Corinthians thirteen, which is 
kind of a, a typical Bible passage where oh, yes. it talks about love is this, love is that. And what I've seen recently is a couple of people like critiquing about the fact that it's basically often read at weddings at as like, hey, you're getting married. Here's what love is. But the original passage is not about romantic love per se, but it's about this this church, this community mm-hmm. that is failing to love one another. And so in writing, Paul is reminding them, like, these are the things that you need to be doing, not as, like, lovers, not as, like, um, people, you know, in romance, but just as brothers and sisters of each other, this is what love is demonstrated as. You need to be, you know, in service. You need to be kind and humble and patient with one another. And I think that's kind of what I was sort of getting at, where love is movement, love is flow. Yeah, um, which you could dive into the divine comedy and Ooh. the deeper you get into the, the rings circles of hell, mm-hmm. the less movement there is. Mm-hmm. So it's to say it stagnates. It yeah. stagnates. I see. Um, which is, again, it, it describes, and I don't know, I, there's a lot that could be mm-hmm. said about the divine comedy. It's true. <laughs> but it's a good way to demonstrate how love is a, a moving mm-hmm. force, is not stagnant, is not just sitting well i think about partly i've been this is a tangent to the point i actually want to make but i've been reading uh mrs dalloway by virginia wolf one of like the big big modernist novels one of the big novelist writers Mm. and writing around the same time and i as i'm reading this i imagine must be inspired by is um charles williams um writing like a little bit after and i i i can't help but think of descent into hell as i'm reading this book because you have um, basically like these two characters in Mrs. Dalloway. You have this hostess, this wife, and she's doing all of these things. And then you have like this military vet who's suffering from PTSD and like eventually kills himself because he's like, I don't see any other out. And like Descend into Hell is structured really similarly, which is why I'm like, I'm thinking about it. And Descend into Hell is all about like your love saving you. Um, like, the people who go to, I don't know how it's characterized in the book, maybe heaven, um, but the people who go to, like, that paradise are people who are, who act out in love, who bear one another's burdens, mm-hmm. while the people who fall into hell become increasingly self-centered, increasingly inward, um, st- like, stop moving, stop going out, because they're just so wrapped up in themselves and their own... Separateness. Yeah. Or selfness. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Descent into Hell is, again, I, I think we've said this before, that it's one of the most, I don't influential books either yeah. of us has ever read. Again, the idea of love is bearing one another's burdens. Mm-hmm. Um, and how fundamental that is, because you can't, I don't know, you can't have love without, again, that's the giving of oneself. Mm-hmm. But also that, the accepting of another of self. Of another self. Mm-hmm. And recognizing the oneness fundamental in that Mm. um another great poet who's written on love walt whitman Mm. who glendon has yet to read but i try i'm trying to make him i feel like i have read like bits and pieces of whitman but i can't name anything um it's a slow but steady conversion (laughs) this is a poem called sometimes with one i love sometimes with one i love i fill myself with rage for fear i effuse unreturned love but now I think there is no unreturned love. The pay is certain, one way or another. I loved a certain person ardently, and my love was not returned. 
Yeah, out of that, I have written these songs. Mm. Mm. It kind of brings that idea of love being present both, which is weird, both in the lack mm. and in the, the presence. presence. Mm-hmm. It's just a different experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I generally try when... I'm also just a very self-reflective person, but mm. when whenever I like... Uh, I'm interested in someone and it doesn't work out and I'm like heartbroken or whatever. Mm. I generally try to look at that as a growing opportunity. Mm. And I think Whitman is hitting on something similar here, like obviously a little bit different, but like in, in trying and failing to love other people, you learn a lot about yourself. It is better to have loved and lost than Mm. ever to have loved at all. I forget who it was. Somebody called relationships like the great sanctifier. Mm. Um, mm. Just in the sense of you learn so much about your own failures and your things that you need to work on and your own positives and whatever. Um, where in, in practicing that, that in a sense brings you closer to God, to yourself, etc. If you understand sanctification as the burning away of one's ego or one's... Mm separate self Mm. love is the great sanctifier would mean love is the like a burning force yeah that brings you or burns away the ego the self the separate self and Mm -hmm. brings you into unity with the Mm -hmm. the larger the self the Mm -hmm. the the divine whatever you want to just word you want to use for it i remember this is like me digging into my super like bible nerd self um, but I remember, like, just before coming to Ambrose, like, in my year off, <clears throat> I had a moment where I had read through um, all of the Old Testament, in fact, um, as a child. I don't know how, but... That's a miracle. Yeah, I, I, I read the Bible cover to cover a couple of times. Um, I, I, again, I don't know how I did it. I was stupid young. I just skimmed through it, mostly. Um, but coming back to it as an adult <clears throat> for the first time, because I'd spent a lot of my teen years, like reading the New Testament and being like, okay, this is, like, good and all, um, but I need to get reinvigorated with this. And so I went and read through, like, a bunch of the history and then into the prophets. And reading Isaiah for the first time as an adult was, I think, transformative to me in a lot of ways. Because mm-hmm. um, in the first chapter of Isaiah, I think, like, verse 17 or something, I, I could be entirely wrong. It might be later. Um, but God basically says to the people of Israel, who he's about to, like, send into exile... Um, this will, like, be refining for you. I am doing this so that you may be, like, refined and come out better. Mm. And it it just, it gave me such a a clear concept of what my God's love looked like because I'd grown up with, like, this very Martian, I guess, construction of, like, or at least hearing people with, like, this very Martian construction of, like, oh, the God in, like, the Old Testament and the New Testament are completely different characters. And realizing in this statement, like, no, these are, like, in both of these, they're centrally characterized through love. And in here, it is a love that brings pain, but it brings pain for the betterment of his people. Again, I guess I would understand love in more of the non-dual sense in Mm -hmm. that regard. In I guess insofar as not so much as... Uh, God using love to do things, but the fact that what, love and God are one and the yeah, same. Yeah, like they're his de- his love is demonstrated through. I uh, see. I wouldn't even say his love. It's more like love is, is demonstrated. That's true. Mm-hmm. Love, it, love just is. Yeah. Um, 
but like the fact that, like that love exists i yes. guess is demonstrated it's hard using non-dual terms um yeah no i get what you're saying that again it comes back to the idea of love as suffering mm. or that love is a suffering that pu- i don't want to use the word purifies that's just fair love is a suffering that that burns away the ego mm. Mm. to bring you into that close unity with what is mm. it almost seems like it clarifies yeah in a, way. a clarify yes that's good interesting it helps you see differently yes changes your perspectives in again a very personal visceral way mm. that i don't think otherwise you'd be able to experience mm. i think mm. um and i mean like a part of that also i think ties into the idea of what it means what what it means for self-love mm. um because at least as as we've seen um in recent times that's certainly an issue for a lot of folks in today's day and yeah. age um and especially living in a place where uh especially living in a time more specifically where mm. such self-reflection comes sometimes invasively for some mm. um self-love can be a very difficult thing to do yeah yeah I think it's what a lot of us in this generation struggle with the most. And I think a lot of the problems that I see, at least in, like, a lot of the kids that I work with, is, like, you need to love yourself more. You need to take yourself seriously and, like, actually love yourself and not just throw yourself away and, like, yeah. And I think a lot of that comes down to what identity people are associating with themselves. Mm -hmm. There's... Again, it's still a very prominent idea that anything bodily is evil mm. or wrong. Mm-hmm. So don't love that. Yeah. Mm. Don't love anything that's considered worldly. Don't love your body. It's just a temporary thing. Mm. <laughs> or, that's a whole conversation in itself, <laughs> isn't it? Um, and then there's, again, you could say there's probably um, the opposite perspective that you only love your body mm. and there's nothing else to it or only hate your body, I guess we put it a different way. Um and so there ha- there's got to be that i don't know identity in that self i mean i would i would probably like um interject and say something along the lines that to view one's self as completely separate from their humanity mm. is a for- is essentially a form of escapism yep. but the issue of loving yourself to to excessively to um almost like, narcissistically yeah almost stagnantly mm. is hedonistic mm. um and i think both fail to capture the full essence of this crazy little thing called love wow wow throw a little bit of queen in there <laughs> yes and also, i think all this. there's also a lot of like that's um, queen is it queen crazy little thing called love i'm 90 percent sure that's queen there's Okay, there's a whole other conversation happening now. But uh, self-love, also, one of the struggles is just accepting Mm. the parts of you that you wish were different because you wish they're different. It's that attachment to an idea of a different you that causes that suffering. And so once you start to accept your body as being your body or your mind as being your mind or... um, the different aspects of you is all being a part of it, both the good and the bad. 
once you start to accept your shadow mm-hmm. as being a part of as being just part of it um if we want to get into carl Jung and mm. his understanding like of, of self like the shadow is a part of a part of you just as much as the well you part of you that we typically associate as you right um and once you instead of focusing on all of the things that you think are wrong with you or that you need to change or whatever aspect it doesn't mean you can't change those things but it's about accepting those as the way they are before you can move forward because if you just move forward and try to change those things without accepting them you always find something else that you need to change Mm -hmm. um so it's not to say if you're let's say you want to lose 20 pounds it's not to say you can't lose those 20 Mm -hmm. pounds but it's accepting that you have that weight and you're good with that and it's Mm -hmm. a part of you and that's good and and again i'm fundamentally uh, the question, uh, as I would see it, centers not on the issue of it, it no longer focuses on love, but rather on perfection. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, that's something that many people strive for, uh, as some would say the highest standard, mm-hmm. though I would posit that perfection is actually the lowest standard of all, in that it is simply impossible to achieve mm. and therefore non neither desirable nor attainable well it's an ideal it's an ideal it's an ideal that and ideals don't really exist yeah it's a mental it's a mental game it's Mm. um not present it's not tangible it's Mm. not Mm. again achievable like you said Mm -hmm. at At least least to some extent yeah that's not to say that again we oh boy we could be getting into plato here with the realm of ideas we have gone places but i mean (laughs) like if we want to dive into like the realm of ideas and whether that's more uh, and this is where i disagree with plato that the realm of ideas is a more essential real thing Mm. than the ground beneath our Mm -hmm. feet i don't know if that's necessarily true yeah um i almost i pushed against darren on twitter a little bit against (laughs) that when he posited um and that and it's because it leads you to that mm. understanding that there is this perfection that you have to reach or else you're not good enough as you are and i think as like in a christian context that's something we've really struggled with mm. i got thinking about that a lot at camp this year um where we talked a lot especially in like the first half of the summer about sin and about mm-hmm. like all these different things and mm-hmm. like about like you need to like work on your sin and all these different things and i I was coming from a place of, like, depression. Like, I had Mm. basically been in a season of depression and all these different things. And I was like, I don't feel like my sin has gotten me here. If sin has gotten me here, it's because the world is broken and circumstances, whatever. But I don't feel like I've done something and gotten depressed. Um, I leaned a lot on, like, the story of Job and all these different things. And this idea of, like... Um, yeah, like, just where suffering is present in the Bible, and I'm like, I don't, like, sin, at least from my conception, this is a whole different concept, but sin is, like, something that is against the community, or is against God, and, like, I haven't done anything, there there are definitely things that I do, and definitely things that I can work on, but I think we need to be better than just talking about everything from a sin context, hmm. and moreover, I don't, know if it's constructive to be like hey we need to be working on being sinless being perfect because i don't think that's what our goal is as 
Christians or even as people, regardless of your faith. Like, there's more to live for than just trying to do the least bad possible. And the result of that mindset that you're describing always ends up as shame. Yeah, exactly. And this is this is a continual debate that I had, especially as I looked at my camp context, which was more conservative, um, versus like my Ambrose context. And I'm like, it was just really weird for me because you have something like camp, which is it intrinsically should be more practical, more loving, more whatever. And then my um, what academic context, which mm. you would think would be more stuffy and whatever. Mm. But it was in academia where I found more of a love of self and more of a love of people mm. and less of a focus on shame and guilt and all these different things, which... It's, again, like, getting into a completely different conversation, but I think it's, like, an interesting hole that we've dug in the church of, oh, well, like, let's be rooted in, like, these old traditions that we have, Mm. but these aren't traditions that are constructive, and they're not even traditions that are that old. It's Mm. just this new Western wave of, um, not even platonic, like, Gnostic Christianity that's, like sin and guilt and shame and that's all there is that's not exciting for me Mm. i don't i'm not i don't get excited for a god who wants you to be perfect and wants you to feel bad about yourself and wants you to follow this strict set of rules i get excited about a god who's like i love people more than anything like that is um oh just trying to think of words but like the Micah 6-8 idea of, like, I haven't asked you to do sacrifices or worship or whatever. Your worship is found by acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly. Like, mm. that is what I require of you. That is what I ask, is that you go out and you love people to your fullest. Nothing else really matters. And, like, diving back into that idea of shame and how it constantly affects our understanding of ourselves Mm -hmm. john steingard Mm. who is kind of a friend of the show will pretend because i had one interaction with (laughs) him he could be (laughs) i mean uh former again former guitar player from hawk nelson i'm sure everyone who's listened to this podcast at least every episode would know (laughs) who i'm talking about um he wrote a fantastic post on shame and i just want to read the last half of it um like he's describing again like this idea of how when you start to think in such terms that everything you do is sinful or whatnot mm-hmm. you start to ask yourself these questions like how often do i need to ask jesus to forgive my sins mm-hmm. it feels like i'm sinning every day how long can i keep this up he keeps forgiving won't he get tired eventually and so you when you're asking yourself these questions i'm quoting john now yeah it's hard to escape the idea that deep down you're still not a good person sinful mm-hmm. shameful you constantly need forgiving because you're constantly bad I'm reminded of the movie Inception. Once an idea is placed deep down, it can be hard to eradicate. Mm. The very idea of sin is designed to drive us towards God and salvation and forgiveness. But for many of us, even once we had believed the right things and prayed the right prayers, we still felt dirty. We had desires we weren't supposed to have. We had thoughts we weren't supposed to have. We had questions we weren't supposed to have. All of these things seem to confirm the feeling. Something is wrong with me. I think I'm still sinful. Shame. So as I've been rethinking all this God stuff, I've contemplated the idea of sin and shame within this new paradigm and discovered some incredibly freeing thoughts. I want to share some of them with you. Let's contemplate what it would mean if we gave up on the idea of original sin. Heck, let's get crazy and throw out the idea of sin altogether. 
If that makes you uncomfortable, then just consider it a thought experiment. Pretend the word doesn't exist, and neither does the idea behind it. What would that mean? Well, firstly, it would mean that there's nothing inherently wrong with you. You're not broken. Regardless of whether you're a created being or a product of evolutionary processes, you're human. You're a complex mix of beauty and pain, heartache and joy. You aren't bad. You're complicated. You have the ability to extend such incredible kindness. You have the ability to inflict staggering harm. Both are true. Both are you. That would mean that every time you think, speak, or act in love, goodness, or kindness, that's not some sugarcoating of your fallen nature. That is also you. This realization has been profound for me. I spent so many years essentially believing that when I did something bad, it was because I was bad. And when I did something good, it's because God is good. It couldn't possibly be the case that goodness was also a part of my nature, right? Well, maybe it is. That would mean that we can take ownership of the goodness in our own hearts. While there's darkness in me, there's also light. And that light is also me. That doesn't, or This completely changes my perception of who I am. I don't feel dirty. I feel complex. I feel human. That would mean that I am free to nurture the things that feel healthy and positive and good in my life. Yes, I'm human. And that means I'm also free to nurture the darkness in my heart. But I'm not chained to it. I don't have to feed it. I'm not condemned to a reality of letting it define my existence. I can choose. I can choose to nurture goodness in my heart and in my life. Because it's there and it's also me. Well, this is just a thought experiment, right? It can't be real, can it? It's too good. And yet, I'm finding that I'm more than happy to say goodbye to the idea of a sinful nature. It wasn't serving me. It wasn't leading me to God. It wasn't. It was leading me to shame. It should be said that there are believers who agree with me on this stuff. You don't have to throw out the idea of God in order to walk away from shame forever. I'm still wondering about the first part, but I'm certain about the second. I'm done with shame, and I think if you want, you can be too. I think it's interesting, like... There are, there are definitely, and we've talked about this before, places where I'm going to like ad- agree and disagree on Steingard. Mm. Um, but I think it's interesting the way people have read Paul. Um, and I think this is something that he gets into a little bit, where like, I think a lot of people read Paul in the sense of, we are intrinsically sinful, which is like, again, this Augustinian idea of original sin. Like, we are intrinsically sinful and we hope to one day have good inside of us, maybe. Mm-hmm. But that's not how Paul actually reads when you read a lot of what he says. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, you look in Romans. His idea isn't, we are sinful, and then there's good. It's, we are now not condemned. Like, we are now filled with goodness. And this sin stuff, that is no longer me who does it. It's something separate from mm-hmm. me. Um, I am intrinsically good. And I think we forget all about that a lot. And I think part of the, I still think part of the problem is this duality or this yeah. binary yeah. of there being like this fundamental good and this fundamental evil mm-hmm. and they're uh, intrinsically opposed rather than this fundamental um, oneness mm-hmm. and this separateness that can feel like it's, it's evil or sinful, but it also just is. There mm-hmm. is separateness and there is oneness. And they're not entirely opposed because they're both happening at the exact same time. It's less of like a, a this is good and this is bad. Mm-hmm. It's more like you can move out of this oneness, this love, mm-hmm. this unity. And you can act in ways that promote this love, this mm-hmm. oneness, this unity. Or you can act out of a sense of separateness, out of selfishness, out of mm-hmm. um, ego. Which, again, it's not necessarily bad. It can mm-hmm. be... In what we would be, what would be considered good mm-hmm. in societal standards, but it's just 
different. It's complex. I like the idea of complexity yeah. rather than. I I do have a difficulty stepping away from like complete duality because I think there it's just written there, but I do think there needs to be more of a conversation in terms of the complexity rather mm-hmm. than just like again getting wrapped up in like guilt and shame. Well, again, you can even it's still a hard thing when there's we're getting back to the idea of <laughs> there's a separateness and there's a oneness that are both happening at the exact same time. Mm. We are still separate in tangible terms. Uh, my body is not your body. But at the same yeah. time, my body is your body. Depending on how we're talking about it. Like, it is a paradox, and it is complicated, and it is strange, and yet it's also true. And I feel like the closer you get to truth, the more contradictions you end up with. Right. Or things that seemingly contradict. That's fair. And so, that's why, like, it feels like it's duality, but is it duality? I don't know. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. And that's love. That's the coming down to the basis of it. Love is complicated, and there's so many different facets of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to love, and how to treat yourself, and how to treat others out of that love. Um, and I think, again, we come down to the fact that if you start to attribute negative attachments to certain things, mm-hmm. whether that's shame, or whether that's the idea of sin, or whatever you want to call it, you start to move away from the focus of love and you start to focus on that perfection or on that separateness or on just um, trying to achieve that ideal that is unachievable when really the love that you're seeking is present. And all of it, it, it just is. And you don't need to do anything to earn it. Rather, you just need to be open to that flow and move with it and that is really i don't know that's all i wanted to say <laughs> i tried to wrap up everything in that yeah. sentence and i i don't know i feel that's, like i did okay yeah it is it is quite broad and profound to be sure and i mean like for folks who might be um listening and trying to kind of figure out what's uh you know like what are some what can people do after coming out of a conversation mm. like this? Mm-hmm. Um, folks that do struggle mm. with this idea of, of, of love, mm-hmm. whether towards others, um, towards self. Uh, how do people pull themselves out of their selfishness to fully love? I think something that was really constructive for me this summer. Mm. I read a book called The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. Mm. Um, and what that book is centrally about, it, it's talking about like the concept of, of Sabbath and, and reapproaching it, but mostly it's talking about being present. Because mm. um, I think for, for Mark Buchanan, uh, like Sabbath rest, just the idea of rest in general, you can find it, you know, sleeping in your bed, but you find it most often when you are present with the world around you, mm. when you are present with the people you are in mm-hmm. conversation with, when you are present in nature flowing around you. And I've, I found a lot as I read through that book and started to practice sort of like the things he talks about in it. I found myself more in touch with the people around me, more in touch with the present moment, more mm. in touch with my God and more in touch with myself. Um, I one could say that those are one and the same. Yeah. Um, one could say that. Um, I, you, you talked about, darkness a little bit and shadow yeah shadow and something i found i i 
profoundly remember this, and I don't know if I'll ever forget it, because mm. I again I was wrestling with the, wrestling with this idea of guilt and shame and being like, well, I I don't feel sinful entirely. I just feel depressed more than anything mm. else, mm. and I don't even like super hate the fact that I have depression. Like there are there are interesting and like exciting elements from this. I like the fact that I to an extent know the darkness of my soul. Like. Mm. I and I that's very like a writer romantic etc but like there there are definitely things that I would like like to work on and not stay here forever but I'm also like not entirely against this um and I remember as I was thinking about this it was raining and it had been raining on and off all day and I kind of stepped outside and was like oh my goodness it's raining again and just sort of fell into like prayer slash praise whatever um thinking about rain and the idea of like there are people who hate rainy days um and rainy days are intrinsically dark they have cloud cover um the rain is falling all the time you can't you know go out and run around in the sun but i was thinking about how through that darkness and through that rain there is growth Mm. life intrinsically comes out of that Mm. and joy intrinsically comes out of that and just thinking of you know these cycles that my God is created and just falling in love with that. And in that moment, I loved myself. Mm. In the darkness. In the darkness, in that acceptance of kind of the cycle of life and mm. all of these different things. I, I realized that, I don't know, as mu- like I realized a new love for my God as well as a new love for myself. Mm. All in one and I don't know, like, I I don't know if I can fully articulate that moment and put it into words. Don't try. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, for the first time in a long time, I was like, I'm actually 100% comfortable with myself here. Mm. And this is fine. Fascinating. And that, A, is pretty close to a mystical experience. So <laughs> that's kind of huge. And A, you probably, B, you shouldn't have told us about that. Because, yeah, you don't want to try to put words to something that is inexpressible mm-hmm. i will tell people about um, it regardless no but you screw could, you. <laughs> you couldn't ha- i couldn't help but make the connection to a quote from nicholas of, of susa that mm. i tweeted out um a few months ago when i was reading the perennial philosophy mm. um, and it's a quote that heavily inspired c.s lewis as well mm. and it goes as follows and all faces is shown the face of faces veiled in mm. in a riddle how be it Unveiled it is not seen, until, above all faces, a man enter, a, enter into a certain secret and mystic silence, where there is no knowing or concept of a face. And that silence, that darkness, is, it, like Glendon described, is a way to, to kind of see that, that face behind all faces, and be present to it, and accept that as being a part of you or as being you in some way shape or form while i was editing this episode i happened to stumble across a poem of mine that i had apparently written six to eight months ago appropriately titled love and it fits so well into this idea of love being experienced in both light and darkness that i just i can't help but read it for you so this is love by me Have you ever lived in light? Most have, most try to. Pure light is enticing. 
It's all embracing. It draws you in and immerses you. Your body disappears in the dazzling delight of light. You're blinded. All that is is whole. You and the light are indistinguishable. You lose yourself to find yourself. And you never want to leave because the light is you, beloved. Have you ever lived in darkness? Most have. Most try not to. Pure darkness is terrifying. It's all-encompassing. It pulls you in and engulfs you. Your body disappears in the desolateness of darkness. You're blind. All that is is empty. You and the darkness are indistinguishable. You lose yourself to find yourself. And you can never leave because the darkness is you too, beloved. The less I see, the more it seems to me that hell and heaven are intertwined as, be it by the light or dark, until you are blind, you can never truly see. From my perspective, below and above, light and darkness look the same. No thing and everything, empty or whole, they both bear the mark of love. Um, and a good way to practice that, not everyone can quite have the experience Glendon relayed, because that's a very circumstantial thing. Um, but contemplation, if you're into the Christian um, scene, contemplation, you can read up on that from mm. a variety of authors. But basically sitting in silence mm. and resting in that presence mm. um, of just being. And it's very, it's basically meditation, but the you can, it's, meditation and contemplation are a very similar thing. Mm. Both are ways to practice that focus of of being in in the present present and being present yeah mm -hmm. amongst other things and I, there are other ways to be present that are more practical just like slowing down breathing yeah it's listening like a, to your body it's a meaningful exercise of mindfulness whether it mindfulness be, exactly mm, whether it be secular or spiritual mm -hmm. um i think that such a such a method of contemplation can be found um whether or not you necessarily shall we say believe in a higher deity yeah. um but like again it's it's an exercise that is meaningful that is accessible and that is profound mm. by virtue of its presence and it's found in like meditation or contemplation or, or that mindfulness aspect is found in almost every religious tradition oh yeah on mm. earth from christianity to buddhism to hinduism to islam um uh judaism i could just name a bunch of different uh, especially actually in again in um the first nation or aboriginal spirituality mm. is a bit more complex mm. there's still that presence and that care for the present moment mm -hmm. um deeply deeply found in their um beliefs mm. and how they treat the world um and so whether yeah whether you see it as being in touch with yourself or being in touch with god or whether that's one and the same it's an important exercise to to be mindful because when you're mindful and present that's when you're most open to that flow of love and that's when you can best um i don't know just uh, you're when you're not trying mm -hmm. and you're just there that's kind of when love can flow through you most easily right mm. and that's when you start to kind of like join that flow and can act out of that love mm -hmm. which is kind of the question i think matt was asking how can we act out of that level that's mm -hmm. surrender a little bit of your own 
egoic autonomy mm. and find that open presence in all things and then it'll just come naturally really mm-hmm. um obviously it'll take work it takes work to get to the point where it comes naturally and you don't have to really do anything mm-hmm. that's why discipline is important yeah. Yeah. and again it's about having grace grace is Free. essential yes yeah. uh, especially in the process of of growth and i mean like as sort of a one as a wonderful way of perhaps ending off the night and mm. um encapsulating everything that we've talked about today in some way shape or form that again um a fundamental element of this love that we attempt to make sense of that is mm. so elusive and yet so um primally present uh, is this idea of presentness mm-hmm. oneness and yet separateness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it's important to know who you are, but it's also important to understand that you are you. Mm. Mm. And yet, mm. we are connected in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, and that when it comes to love, whether it be for someone else, whether it be for yourself, unrequited, even betrayed, mm. that there is something to be said about grace Mm. in those moments the grace to allow yourself to enjoy that which you have the grace to accept that which may not be there or once was and no longer is Mm. there's something important to be said about allowing that to flow through you and allowing yourself to fully experience those things in an exercise of mindfulness of contemplation of meditation Mm -hmm. and it's important to know that while the journey is difficult, it is also a joyful one. Mm. One that is not meant to be kept in stagnation and closedness, mm. but to be shared, mm. to be open, to move. Mm. And with that, I have no further words. No, I honor. think that's good. It's We've been going for some time now, <laughs> so... I'm very tired and would like to wrap up. I know. And in case we don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Seattle. That's Toronto. Thank you, Truman. Oh, what was our other... We had... What did I do last? I don't remember. We'll save that for next episode. Yeah. (laughs) London's getting wild. What? (laughs)